So my name's Noah, Noah Mebbin. Um, I already introduced myself, but um, let me tell you a little bit about myself because some of you know me, but I'm sure some of you don't just yet. Um, this goes for you online as well. Um, but I'm the student pastor here at Pikes Peak. Um, I was born and raised in Oklahoma, grew up the same area my whole life, and then went to college at Ozark Christian College. It's where I met my wife, Lauren. Um, we've been married for over s- almost six months, almost six months. <laughs> Yeah, a long, long time, right? Yep, a long time. Um, but yeah, so we met at Ozark Christian College. That's where I got my bachelor's degree. It's a little college in the bottom left-hand corner of Missouri. But that's a little bit about myself. I did my summer internship here last summer. They liked me enough to bring me back. You guys brought me back, so thank you. This church has blessed me. God has blessed me, and I'm so glad I can be here sharing this message with you. So, um... Who, who was happy at Thanksgiving? Who had a good Thanksgiving? Who got full? Who gained a couple pounds? Who gained more than a couple pounds, if you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay, okay. I, I love Thanksgiving. It's great. But I am so glad that Christmas is here. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. I love Christmas. I love the, the, the warm, fuzzy feelings, the Christmas music, the Christmas tree. I, I love setting up the Christmas tree. At my house, we, we'd have this big Christmas tree, me and my brother. Um, his name's Micah. We'd set up the Christmas tree, put all the ornaments on. And then at the very top, you know, most people put like a star or an angel, right? We don't put a star or an angel. We put a Santa Claus, okay? But it's not a normal Santa Claus. It's a black Santa Claus, and we call him Brother Christmas. Brother Christmas. Yes. Yes. It's great. I love it. I love it. So uh, I know that I already alienated all the people who don't think you can celebrate Christmas until like the 12 days, until December, until like Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. I'm sorry. So let's get back on topic. Um, You know, Jesus is the reason for the season of Christmas, and that is the truth. But for the past couple weeks, we've been going over this series called Overflow, and and we're going to switch up topics a little bit today. We're going to be talking about the biggest blessing God has ever given us. And I can can assure you that this is the biggest blessing God has ever given us, and it is called the gospel. The gospel. Now, the gospel, um, it it is great. Um, As you know, I work with middle school and high school students, so please feel free to communicate with me. Don't be quiet. Um, But who knows what the word gospel means? What was that? Good news? Good news? Yes, it means good news. And Greek, um, the language the New Testament was originally written in, this is is the word, euangelion. Euangelion. It's going to pop up on screen right there. Euangelion. Originally, the word was meant to represent a reward or a payment for bringing the good news. So like a courier would like take the the news to the king and he would be paid for the good news. But over time, the word changed meanings. And um, when it's written in the Bible, it, it means good tidings or the good news itself. In the New Testament, this most clearly relates to the good tidings of the kingdom of God and our salvation through Christ, the good news of Jesus. The gospel is good news, but as we talk today, I want to paint a larger picture of the gospel than just simply good news. It's the good news. The gospel is more than just your average everyday good news. It's more than good news that you got what you wanted for Christmas. It's more than the good news that your fantasy league is winning. For, for some of you, it's more than good news that the Broncos are ahead 
It's more than the good news than whatever you can think of because it is the best news. That Mark, a follower of Jesus, wrote this at the book of Mark, in the book of Mark, telling the story of Jesus' life. Mark, at the beginning of his book, says this about what he is about to write. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And see, the gospel is good news, but it's the gospel is the good news about Jesus. The gospel is about Jesus. For those of you who know Jesus, this idea is clear. The gospel is about Jesus. It is about what he did. Jesus once said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's John 14, 6. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Without him, there is no gospel. The God of the universe was sent to earth for us. And 1 Corinthians says this, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. This is Paul talking. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 4. Jesus was put on trial for doing nothing. He was mocked. The gospel is about Jesus. And the Jewish people had a tradition of letting someone out of prison before the Passover. And the same people who were praising him just a few days before on Palm Sunday wanted a known murderer instead of Jesus out of prison. He was betrayed by his own people. He was beaten with rods. They put a robe on him while he was bloody. They'd wait for it to dry and then rip it off. We could keep going. They flogged him with a cat of nine tails, this, this whip that had nine little strings on it, the strands, and they'd be put glass, pieces of bone of glass and just rip away at people's backs. It's gross, I know. But it's what happened. He died on the cross for us, but there is good news. There is the gospel. And the gospel isn't just about Jesus' life on earth. It isn't just about his death. No, but it's also about something that happened three days later when he rose again. See, three days later, he was alive. The gospel is Jesus' story. You see, the gospel is more than just simply a story about a man, though. The gospel is also about salvation. The gospel is about salvation, particularly our salvation. See, the gospel is not simply good news. It's the best news we've ever heard. It's about our salvation. There's this thing called death. And apart from Christ, it's pretty scary. It's terrifying. Without Christ, death stings. But with Christ, death has no sting. The gospel is something utterly profound. Something, if we understand it, we cannot help but be amazed by it. See, the God of the universe looked down on earth and said, I love them so much. He cares for them so much. And he looks down and he says, I am determined to save them. He doesn't say, I'm going to think about saving them. He's determined to save him because he sends his son to die on the cross for us. 
And there's this crazy thing God did by Jesus' death. He suffered all these things. Isaiah tells us this, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Isaiah 53, 5. I'm going to read it again. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Isaiah wrote these verses as a prophecy describing what, would, what God would do through his coming Messiah. Isaiah didn't know who Jesus was exactly, but he knew God would send someone for his people. And by Jesus' sacrifice, we are able to dwell with God. We get to experience his goodness. We are freed from sin. Our past sins are forgiven. Titus 2, 11 through 12 says this, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. That's Titus 2, 11 through 12. We are made right in the eyes of God as if we'd never sinned. But he does more. He does more. He trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. We are continually made like him, a process where we become less and less sinful. We are glorified. We will eventually receive a body in which sin no longer dwells in us. God saves us. The gospel is about salvation. And the gospel is about his work. So the gospel is about Jesus. It's about salvation and it's about his work. And if we're being honest, I think this is one of the hardest things about our, our belief to understand. It's one of the hardest things about the gospel to understand that it is simply given to us. Our whole lives are focused on earning things, getting things in return for doing something. Now, yes, revelation can be scary. Looking over church history can be confusing. But something about this idea that we don't have to reach a certain level of spirituality for our faith is so challenging to wrap our minds around. We don't deserve it, yet he gives it to us as a gift. It's not a high school club or a middle school club where you have to make the qualifications to get in, where you have to meet the requirements to gain entry. You don't have to pass an exam. You don't have to get a certain score. It's a gift that we simply have the faith to receive. Amen. The gospel is about his work, not our own. Amen. It's about his work. I mean, look at Paul's writing. Like, in, in most of his letters, to, he's driving it into the heads of the Ephesians, of the Galatians, of the Romans. He's telling them, you can't earn it, but he gives it. Romans 6.23 says this, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, let, let's, if you have your Bible, turn, turn to that. Turn to that. Romans 
If you don't have that highlighted, go ahead, underline it, highlight it, circle it. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's some good news right there. Our lies, deceit, envy, strife mean that we don't deserve the salvation we are given. We don't. We deserve death because of our sin. We do, all of us. We don't deserve anything. But God gave us this crazy free gift. He said, here, you can have my son. You can have salvation. All we have to do is recognize it. All we have to do is call Jesus our Lord and Savior. All we have to do is believe. And Ephesians sums this up in my favorite way. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. That's Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. You know, turn, turn there as well. It's right after, right after Galatians. Galatians, Ephesians. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. The simple idea that we don't have to strive for perfection. This idea that at the end of, the bad, of a bad day, you can say, I'm forgiven. At the end of the line, you can say, I'm forgiven. See, God knows us enough that he knew he loves us enough that he knew, he's smart enough that he knew that we could not live perfect lives. Is anyone in here perfect? You want to raise your hand if you are? I'd be, su- I'd be surprised if I saw a hand. <laughs> See, even, even Paul says it this way, we can try not to sin, but as Paul describes it in Romans, we ultimately sin even when we don't want to. We can't help it. We can't help but sin. Our body does what we don't want it to do. Therefore, the gospel is more about his work than it will ever be about our works. We cannot achieve salvation ourselves. Our works aren't going to achieve anything for us. So we have have three ideas of what the gospel is. The gospel is about Jesus. It's about salvation. It's about his work. But I want to share with you guys what the gospel is not about what the gospel is not. See, the gospel is not selfish. The gospel is not selfish. Now, this holiday season is great. Thanksgiving had wonderful food. Black Friday had some awesome deals. Cyber Monday will too. This Christmas season is my favorite time of year. But it's also the most egocentric time of year. It's the most selfish time of year. We make it about us. Kids are worried about what they're getting under the tree. And as parents, as, as adults, we can too sometimes. People are excited to see family members, but only, get, but only are excited until the annoying family member shows up. <laughs> or until the conversation gets awkward. It may be a season of thankfulness and gift giving, but at the core of American consumerism is the idea that we must be satisfied. We must be satisfied by the food, by the gifts, by the interactions we have. 
I think this is the perfect time to talk about the idea that the gospel is not selfish because it's the exact opposite. The gospel is so much about giving up everything you have. Philippians 2, 3 through 8 shares this wonderfully. Please turn there if you have your Bibles on you or if you got your phone, open up the Bible app. Philippians 2, 3 through 8. Philippians 2, 3 through 8 says this, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, he was God, he is God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. Let's pause. He was God and he came down in human form. And he didn't just come down in human form. He did this. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Death stings. He became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The gospel is not selfish. Jesus wasn't selfish, so neither should we be. Jesus did not do what he wanted to do. I mean, as he was praying, he was crying out in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was saying, Lord, not my will, but yours. If you would have me take this cup, then I will do it, but take it away. And he died on the cross. So many times in our lives, we focus on what we want. I'm a, I do it too. I do it. We like to look at what we want and make it our only focus. If I'm being honest, being married taught me this extremely quickly. <laughs> It did. It did. I love my wife, but um, if I no oh don't, no 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 wait 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 <laughs> I love my here, here let me I love my wife and no 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 wait <laughs> but if I come home and I am not selfless if I don't prioritize my wife and her needs. Then she walks away not feeling loved. She walks away not feeling loved. She walks away hurt and feeling neglected. If I'm on a youth trip and I come back and I'm tired and I just want to sit down on the couch and do nothing and just sit there like, uh, like just sit there and like be, do nothing for an hour, then I, I need to show my wife love. I'm neglecting her if I don't. That's what, that's what marriage has taught me in six months. <laughs> oh man we good we good <laughs> we good we good i'm good i'm good the bible tells us to turn the other cheek when someone hurts us but how many times do we like to hit them back how many times do we like to hit them back on social media 
our family members this holiday season, how many times do we like to argue? How many times do we not turn the other cheek? When going through our day, we tend to only focus on finishing our own schedule, not helping other people with what they need to get done. When speaking to others, we tend to only focus on what we are going to say next. When we don't like what our government or those in leadership, like a boss or a manager over us do, what do we do? Do we think of ourselves or do we submit to those in leadership like the Bible says? The gospel is not selfish. The gospel is not selfish. You see, the gospel is good news. So don't think for a second that it keeps to itself either. You see, the gospel is this crazy thing that's not quiet. The gospel is not quiet. At the go- in the gospel of Matthew at the end, in Matthew 28, Christ gives us this command. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The gospel should be exploding inside us to the point that we cannot share with more and more people that we cannot share with everyone around us. Right now, I'm, I'm, I'm reading a, a book, a biography on Diedrich Bonhoeffer. He's, he's someone I look up to. Uh, Diedrich Bonhoeffer was a Christian martyr and Lutheran pastor who lived during the time of the Nazis. This man was living in a time when everyone was acting in a way contrary to the gospel. He lived, grew up, experienced Nazi Germany. Yet in the darkest moments, he was not quiet about what the gospel called him to do. He said this idea, which is exactly the point I want to make, silence in the face of evil itself is evil. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak, not to act is to act. Sharing the good news of Christ is imperative for our faith. Yes, it's about his work. Yes, he is good. And yes, he gives us salvation as a gift. But faith without works is dead. Speaking up when something unbiblical is going wrong or choosing not to share your beliefs because you feel scared about how someone will receive it is not a way to live. God calls us to live different. God wants us to share the gospel with such a passion, with such a love that we cannot help but do it all the time. I'm not saying it to scream it at people. I'm not saying that you drill it into their faces to the point where it's just annoying for them. But we should be willing to open up and give a reason for the hope that is in us. Sometimes when people aren't even asking. I I ask myself this question. When was the last time you shared your faith with someone? When was the last time you shared your faith with someone? 
Who do you know that you could share it with now? See, don't be the person who's keeping yourself from sharing the gospel. Because when it comes down to it, that's what it is. Sometimes we're the only people keeping us from sharing the gospel. Paul says this in Romans 1.16. It's so simple. And this isn't even the point he's trying to make. But he, he says it in a way that just shows his love for the gospel. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, he says. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. See, Paul isn't ashamed of the gospel. But we act like we are sometimes. We act like we are sometimes. So we've established this idea that the gospel is not selfish or quiet. But this, this is honestly the hardest to, to think about, honestly, to the hardest to hear. The gospel is not easy. If, if, you, if you have walked into this building and you hear that the gospel is easy, then someone, someone's telling you something wrong. The gospel does not make your life a walk in a park. The gospel does not give you everything you've ever wanted. It's definitely not something we have to work for. But it's not easy. If you want an easy life, the gospel doesn't give it to you. The gospel doesn't promise you that. Yes, God will bless you. Yes, he'll show you things and he'll give you things you never thought possible. But Christ calls us to be uncomfortable. When he blesses us, he expects us to bless others even more so. John 16, 33 tells us that we literally will have trouble in this world. That we will have trouble in this world. He knows that his people are going to suffer, that they're going to be martyrs. And if we look at Paul's life, he's one of the greatest examples of a Christian out there. Before he came to know Christ, he was living a great life. He was a religious leader. Many people respected him. He knew the high priest. He had authority. But after he was converted, he was flogged. He was put on house arrest. He was scorned all the time. Paul's life didn't get easier after Christ. Matthew 16, 24 tells us the gospel in one humbling way. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You know what? Let's turn there once again. Because we need to read that with our own eyes. Matthew, the first, the first book in the New Testament, Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The gospel isn't easy. We're told to literally pick up our own torture device and follow him. 
The past couple of weeks, we've been going over this idea how God has blessed us. He has overflowed our cups to the point that we don't even understand. Maybe he's blessed you in countless ways. And it's not shameful to live blessed. But it is sinful if you don't bless others with those things. God calls us to pick up our own crosses. The early Christian believers, whenever they were being persecuted, they didn't cry out for someone to save them. When they didn't feel blessed, they didn't, they didn't hide their faith when under pressure. See, when Peter and the other apostles were beaten for their faith in Acts 5, this is what Acts 5, 41 through 42 says. They left the presence of the council the council, the religious leaders, the Sanhedrin is what they were called. The leading religious Jews. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. The gospel is not easy. The disciples did not pray for their suffering to end. They prayed for boldness to share the gospel more. Let me ask you a direct question. And just this question might make you feel uncomfortable, but are you comfortable right now? Are you comfortable right now? Good. Are you comfortable right now? Because maybe God doesn't want you to be right now. Maybe God wants you to do something different. Maybe he is asking you to do something crazy. Whenever, whenever we read the story of the rich young ruler, where this rich young ruler went up to Jesus and said, Lord, how, how may I serve you? How may I gain salvation? Jesus says, sell all that you have. And follow me. Maybe some of us need to do that. Maybe some of us need to do that. Maybe he's not asking you to do that, though. And maybe he's calling you to do something different. Maybe he doesn't want you to sell all you have. Maybe he wants you to do something, with all, something else with all, of you ha- with all that you have. Maybe he wants you to start a nonprofit. Maybe he's calling you to do something crazy like go into ministry. Maybe he's calling you to be a missionary. Maybe, maybe it's not exactly that, though. Maybe he's calling you to share the gospel with someone. Someone you really don't want to share the gospel with, but they really need to hear it. Maybe God's calling you to be uncomfortable. Maybe he's calling you to spend your time serving someone else during this holiday season instead of serving ourselves. Maybe he's asking you to do something crazy. Maybe he's not asking you to do something for someone else. Maybe he's calling you to do something for him. Maybe he's calling you to hear his voice and accept him as your Lord and Savior today. Maybe he's calling you to do something crazy. 
And we shouldn't be afraid to share the gospel. We shouldn't be afraid of all these things. Because if our faith is real, if we trust our Lord and Savior, we'll want to keep doing all these crazy things for him because he is good. And he deserves it. See, the gospel is a crazy gift. The gospel is a crazy gift, so do something crazy for the kingdom. Do something crazy for the kingdom. Maybe we need to be more uncomfortable. Maybe we need to live our lives differently. We're not just Christians on Sunday. We're not just Christians during the weekend. We're not just Christians when we're at home with our parents. We're not just Christians when we're at school. We're not just Christians when we're here or there. We're Christians more than we are anything else. It's all about him. The gospel is a crazy gift. Let's, let's think about it for a second. It's a crazy gift. He gave us this. Like Logically, in my mind, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. The gospel, he, he gives us this crazy gift. We don't deserve it. We don't. And he loves us. And he cares for us enough that he gave us this crazy gift. So let's do something crazy for the kingdom. I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come up. And we're going to take this moment to pray. Pray that this church, pray that all of us would do something crazy for the kingdom. Because I don't want to be a lukewarm Christian. I don't want to live a life that doesn't show Christ all the time. I want to live a life that shares the gospel with every word and every step. And maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you don't. But I can tell you this, he wants to know you. And he loves you. And maybe the crazy thing he's calling you to do, maybe the, thing, the crazy thing he's calling you to do is to take a step of faith and call him Lord and Savior. Maybe someone else in this room needs to get baptized today.